A Shifting Spectrum of Grey, a Good Omens fan fiction, written by Penrose Sun, read by God of Laundry Baskets. Part Two. Aziraphale wasn't really sure what he'd been expecting to feel afterwards. Regretful, probably, or at least vaguely defiled. The reality, however, was anything but. He practically floated all the next day. There wasn't any pain or awkwardness. There was none of that tight and uncomfortable feeling he got whenever he misstepped with Crowley and needed to back off from him for a decade or two. If anything, it was like a missing piece had finally slid into place. It was like coming home. The way humans talked about sex, and especially about casual sex, had clearly never given him the proper sense of it. He'd always assumed the main draw was the physical pleasure of the act, and indeed, that had certainly been a nice aspect of the experience. But as he thought back to the night before, Aziraphale found himself lingering on other things. Wonderful things that far outweighed the physical release he'd experienced. He hadn't realized how incredible it would feel to be held, to be kissed. And he'd never even imagined that Crowley might run his fingers through his hair or linger against him in the afterglow. It was... Well, it had been beautiful, and if that was what sex was like, then it was no wonder that humans loved it so much. Crowley had slipped out in the early morning without a word, which was a pity, since Aziraphale had rather hoped they could go to breakfast together. But overall, things were looking very good indeed. Aziraphale had spent weeks tying himself into knots over this, agonizing about whether or not he'd actually have it in him to give Crowley what he wanted, and now that he knew he could, and even that he enjoyed doing so, it was like a weight had lifted from his shoulders. He caught himself actually whistling as he reorganized his books, and couldn't help but marvel at the whole situation. He was going to get to keep Crowley as a friend, and he'd discovered a new hobby at the same time. And Crowley shared that hobby, and might even enjoy spending time with him more because of it. It was the absolute best of all worlds. Of course, the fantastic mood couldn't last forever. And it wasn't long before Aziraphale received an assignment from up above. That awful Napoleon fellow was apparently back again, and with war looming inevitably on the horizon, heaven had given him a long list of dreadfully tedious political nudgings to perform. Worse, Crowley seemed to have gotten relatively busy himself, and presumably with something that couldn't be pawned off via the arrangement, since he had fallen almost completely out of touch since spending the night. Days became weeks. Weeks became well over a month. And as 
the time since Aziraphale had last seen Crowley stretched, doubt began to settle in. Perhaps now that Crowley had gotten what he'd wanted, he'd have no use for Aziraphale anymore. Perhaps he was disappointed by Aziraphale's lack of skill or experience. Perhaps after the awkward, bumbling way that Aziraphale had run off at the end, Crowley had decided that he simply wasn't worth the trouble. All of these worries were stupid, and most of them were completely illogical, but beating them back was a losing battle. For every ridiculous and anxiety-induced idea that Aziraphale cut down, two more sprang up in its place. Everything had seemed so wonderful the morning after that Aziraphale had barely even considered what it all meant. But now that he had time to dwell on it, it seemed as though he could think of little else. By the time his France-related assignments had wrapped up, Aziraphale was at least as nervous as he'd been the first time. He was desperate to see Crowley again, of course, more so even than would be usual for the time that they'd recently spent apart. The awkwardness of the situation gnawed at him. How was he supposed to act around Crowley now? He couldn't act the same as always, could he? Not when they'd done something so intimate. But if he acted different, wouldn't that make things just as strange between them? It's only Crowley, Aziraphale reminded himself again and again. He's obviously dealt with these sorts of things in the past, and he's never once held your inexperience or awkwardness against you. Stop blowing things out of proportion, for heaven's sake. And sure enough, when they finally met up again, things did seem perfectly normal. They went out for dinner, and then retreated back to the bookshop for drinks as per usual. Conversation flowed as easily as it always had. There was just... Well, something about Crowley just seemed the slightest bit off. There was a tension in his shoulders that hadn't been there before, an avoidance in his gaze. Or maybe that was just Aziraphale reading into things like always. Maybe that was his own anxiety getting the better of him, Surely Crowley was acting exactly as he always had, and Aziraphale was simply projecting. He buried the worry, or at least he tried to, and set about quietly working himself up to eventually asking Crowley if he'd like a repeat of their last time. It shouldn't have been nearly as hard a thing to ask as it apparently was, given that they'd already done it once, and they'd both enjoyed it. Yet, Whenever Aziraphale tried, the words seemed to stick in his throat. There was a lull in conversation, eventually. But before Aziraphale had a chance to take advantage of it, Crowley did so instead. So, he said rather carefully, about, about the last time we met up. Ah, um, yes, of course said Aziraphale. If you mean about how we... Crowley cut him off with a nod, and then bit his lip, 
glanced away and said nothing more. The pause stretched awkwardly. Well, said Aziraphale cautiously, if you wanted, I wanted to apologize, Curly said into his wine glass, which was not at all what Aziraphale had been expecting. About what I said before, after we, um. Oh, said Aziraphale. You mean when you said that you... Crowley nodded sharply. I mistook the nature of our relationship, and that was on me. It won't happen again. I promise. Apology accepted, said Aziraphale, because that seemed like the sort of thing he was supposed to say in this situation. And I don't fault you for it, truly. If anything, I should have been clear on boundaries from the start. Demons tempted, demons manipulated, and Crowley did both, because it was his nature, but never intentionally to hurt Aziraphale. If lying to him had gotten Aziraphale into bed once, then it was no wonder Crowley had tried it again. It wasn't Crowley's fault, and it honestly wasn't even one of the myriad of things Aziraphale had been senselessly obsessing about these recent weeks. Crowley nodded again, and Aziraphale waited for the obvious follow-up proposition. It never came. Instead, Crowley stiffly poured himself another drink and then fixed his gaze at some fascinating point on the table and let the silence stretch. After several long moments, Aziraphale gave an awkward cough and attempted to broach the subject himself. So, he said carefully, I don't suppose that you'd be interested in having another go at it. Having another... The look Crowley was giving him was just shy of incredulous, and something twisted uncomfortably in Aziraphale's gut. Are you serious? Unfortunately, it seemed that none of Aziraphale's obsessing about this possible reaction had done anything to actually prepare him for it. Well, I'm sorry if it wasn't what you'd hoped, but I'm not sure what you expected, he stuttered out finally, feeling like an idiot. I told you I was new at it, but I'll only get better with experience, and there are certainly worse ways to pass an evening. You seem to think so before, anyway. Crowley paused studying Gaziraphale like there was some hidden meaning to his words. Aziraphale, he said slowly, are you seriously suggesting that we... Abruptly, Crowley abandoned whatever he was going to say and drained his wine glass in a single go. Then he turned back to Aziraphale and fixed him with a far more pointed look. No, you know what, scratch that. What are you suggesting here? He snapped. Beg your pardon, said Aziraphale. This isn't exactly easy for me, said Crowley roughly. 
Whatever miscommunication we had before, I'm sure you can understand that. So I'd appreciate it if you not beat around the bush here and just say what you want. Oh, thought Aziraphale. Oh dear, I've misjudged. Crowley was still twisted up over having made Aziraphale uncomfortable. He'd said as much earlier. This wasn't him being hesitant because of Aziraphale's inexperience as a lover. This was him protecting Aziraphale's feelings, making the boundaries explicit so that he wouldn't overstep again, even though it went against his instincts as a demon. It was kind. More than kind, it was sweet. That sort of care and friendship was exactly why he'd trusted Crowley with this in the first place, and he must have been entirely too caught up in his own head to assumed something different. Warmth blossomed in Aziraphale's chest, and he smiled and tried again. I'm sorry, Crowley, he said. You're right, of course. It's better to be clear about it. He paused, searching for the right words. I, well, I enjoyed our last encounter tremendously, and it seemed as though you did as well. Crowley gave something that looked vaguely like a nod. So, said Aziraphale, what I'm trying to say, I suppose, is that, well, we could do it again, if you like even make a habit of it. As, as a casual thing, asked Crowley. Aziraphale nodded. Exactly. Crowley gave him a long, unreadable look. Do you want that, Angel? He asked, finally. I'd love nothing more, Aziraphale said. Crowley swallowed hesitated. For a moment, it seemed almost like he was going to turn Aziraphale down. And something shifted. A nod, just the barest gestures, and Crowley seemed to steal himself. Although, Aziraphale hadn't the foggiest idea against what. All right, then, he said. Flat upstairs. Aziraphale nodded and Crowley set his wine glass down and headed up without another word. Aziraphale floundered for a moment. He meant to suggest it in the more general sense, not to go at it immediately, with a full half-bottle of Bordeaux still left on the table between them. But if that was what Crowley want... If he considered the easy conversation done for the night... Aziraphale followed Crowley up the stairs. Crowley shut the door behind them and removed their clothes with a snap of his fingers, which, if Aziraphale was being honest, was a little fast for him. But he supposed it had been a good few weeks since their last encounter. He couldn't exactly fault the demon for being impatient. He kissed Crowley instead of commenting on it, and he felt Crowley melt into his embrace, kissing him like it was everything he'd ever wanted— and then felt him suddenly stiffen and pull away. Crowley? asked Aziraphale, and it was only then that he'd looked down and realized that Crowley hadn't made any sort of effort yet. He glanced back up at Crowley questioningly. 
Crowley colored at the once-over, a vibrant blush spreading all the way down to his chest. You don't mean to tell me you always have one. Well, no, said Aziraphale. Or, well, it does help the clothes to fit correctly, but in this sort of situation, it seems rather essential. Crowley sat down roughly on the bed and made a vague gesture at his nethers. An erection sprung into being, much to Aziraphale's surprise. Oh, he said. That's, um, that's a different one from the last time. Crowley shrugged and glanced away. Seemed like the better way to go. And that was rather cryptic. But then, it was Crowley, after all. Should I change mine, then? Aziraphale asked after an awkward pause. Crowley gave him a hard look. What? So fornication and lust are fine by you, but you draw the line at sodomy. Seriously, Angel? Well, no, Aziraphale stuttered. I, I just thought that... I mean, it seemed like maybe you had a preference. Crowley sprawled back onto the bed proper and gave Aziraphale a charged look, bearing his neck the same way an animal might bear his teeth. You want to know my preference, Angel? He asked slowly. My preference is that you just fuck me if you're going to fuck me. Aziraphale suddenly found that his mouth was very dry. Crowley, he said as he climbed on top of the bed, and then before he could say anything more, Crowley pulled him into another passionate kiss and wrapped his legs around him. Aziraphale gasped, rutting against Crowley, the demon's erection hard against his own. You like that? Crowley whispered into his ear his breath hot. Gods, yes, Aziraphale breathed out and kissed him again. Oh, that feels... Crowley made a sound rather like a scoff and snaked a hand between them. At the first touch of Crowley's hand to his cock, Aziraphale saw stars, and he didn't even realize what Crowley was doing, how Crowley was adjusting them, and then he felt the puckered skin of Crowley's entrance against his tip. Wait, Aziraphale ground out. Crowley, aren't we? Uh, isn't this a bit too fast? He heard that one needed prep in order to do it this way, or else it could hurt, and the last thing in the world he wanted was to hurt Crowley, especially not with this. No need, said Crowley, and thrust his hips, breaching himself on the head of Aziraphale's cock. Aziraphale moaned. Crowley was hot and tight and wonderful, and yet also wet and surprisingly relaxed, almost like he'd been expertly worked open earlier. The moan became an astonished laugh. Did you really waste an entire miracle on this? And then Crowley thrust against him and said, Move already, for fuck's sake. And Aziraphale decided not to worry about it, or basically anything else. 
He wrapped a hand around Crowley's cock, stroking him as they made love, and lost himself in the sensation that surrounded him. Crowley's head was thrown back against the pillows, and his eyes were squeezed tight. Aziraphale, he gasped. Angel, I... Angel, Angel, I... And then his eyes went wide, and he slapped a hand over his mouth to stifle a moan as he came, and Aziraphale came inside of him. The world came back to Aziraphale in bits and pieces. He sighed contentedly against Crowley and planted a kiss on his neck. Oh, Crowley, he murmured. That was incredible. You were, my dear, if you could only see yourself. He pulled a washcloth off the bedside table, or possibly out of the ether, and cleaned them up, peppering kisses all along Crowley's chest as he did so. Angel, said Crowley distantly, waving away the cloth. Don't, don't bother, just... Xerophil kissed him on the lips then, and Crowley kissed him back, slipping his arms around him into an easy embrace. It was like that first kiss, almost. Soft and sweet and tender. Aziraphale hummed contentedly against Crowley's mouth and basked in the afterglow. And then, all of a sudden, Crowley seemed to come back to himself. Before Aziraphale even knew what was happening, he was up off the bed like a shot and dressing quickly like he'd had somewhere to be. Crowley? Right, said Crowley, and something in his voice was strained. Guess I should be going, then. He seemed to be almost carefully avoiding looking at Aziraphale. Crowley, um... Aziraphale started. He reached out to him, and Crowley jerked away as though he'd been burned, fumbling a button on his shirt. What, angel? Crowley said sharply. Naziraphale suddenly realized that he was not entirely sure what he'd meant to say. That wonderful warm feeling of seconds before was slipping away like sand. Leaving so soon, he tried. It felt wrong in his mouth. I mean, well, you could certainly take the bed again if you wanted. Crowley winced. Yeah, no. Better not. Because our employers might catch us, Aziraphale hazarded, and Crowley made a noise that was maybe a sigh and maybe a scoff. <laughs> sure, Crowley said. Let's go with that. Aziraphale got up, too, and set about collecting his own clothes, but Crowley was fully dressed and heading for the door before he'd even gotten his shirt done up again. Crowley? Aziraphale called after him, and Crowley didn't so much as pause as freeze. Yes, Angel? He asked after a moment's hesitation. There was something Aziraphale should say here, something he was missing in all of this, but the questions stuck in his throat. This was very nice, he said at last, even though he knew that was the wrong thing. 
Thank you for... Well, thank you. I stood for a beat in the darkness. Curly's throat worked silently. Any time, Curly said finally, and then left, closing the door roughly behind him. It happened all the time now. Curly would ask Aziraphale to dinner, or to a play or a symphony, and like clockwork, they'd end up in the flat above Aziraphale's bookstore before the evening was over, or they'd take a walk in St. James Park, and quickly end up taking a walk in St. James Park, or Aziraphale would come by his place to talk about some aspect of the arrangement, and would end up fucking Crowley into the mattress. Neither of them ever stayed the night. Neither of them made any romantic overtures beyond the normal, friendly associations of two normal, friendly, millennia-old enemies-turned-confidence. And Crowley gritted his teeth and bit his tongue and counted his blessings. You wouldn't want him to love you anyway, he told himself with some frequency. Not really. He's an angel. Loving you would probably lead to his fall. And Aziraphale wouldn't do well down below, that's for sure. Much better that he doesn't, really. Safer that way. Crowley suspected that this was a somewhat too selfless line of thought for a demon to have, but since he was lying anyway, he supposed it didn't matter. In many ways, things were the same as they always were. They still talked freely about all sorts of things. They still enjoyed each other's company whenever they could find the time. And also, sometimes, Aziraphale came by and fucked him and used him like a thing and left him aching over what he now knew that he could never have. It was fine. Totally fine. Anyway... Crowley didn't exactly hate the sex. It was messy, of course, and sometimes a bit uncomfortable, but the physical feeling of orgasm was nicer than he'd remembered it being, and since practice improved any skill, Crowley was certainly getting better at bringing both of them to climax, which he supposed was also rather nice, in a sense-of-pride-in-his-abilities sort of way. He still didn't particularly love sex, and he doubted he ever would. But it had clearly grown on him. And it wasn't as though he liked the food at most of the restaurants he took Aziraphale to either, to be honest. It wasn't about that. It was about spending time together and giving Aziraphale something that Crowley knew he would enjoy— in fact, arguably, sex could even be read as an improvement from that perspective. Judging from how often it happened, Aziraphale clearly loved it tremendously, and making love was far more intimate than a play or a candlelit dinner. He looks you in the eye when you have dinner, his traitorous mind supplied. He smiles at you. Crowley tamped the feelings down, forcibly and repeatedly. The truth was, it didn't matter how he felt about it. 
because Aziraphale had never been his. Not really. Demon. Angel. It was simple math. He'd beaten the odds almost impossibly just by being Aziraphale's friend. Wanting more was stupid, and hurting when he inevitably didn't get it was his own God-blessed fault. It was just another exchange. It was another arrangement, just like the first. Except, instead of trading favors and, in friendship, loosely disguised as favors, they were trading in sex, and not disguising it as anything. And yes, maybe it hurt sometimes. Maybe the longer this thing between them went on, the more times Aziraphale touched him, and the more times Aziraphale left, the more Crowley couldn't stand it. Maybe a part of him wanted to roll it all back and return to what they'd been before, back when Aziraphale was oblivious and he was naive. But the sad truth was, he'd rather have Aziraphale like this than not at all. So he plastered on a smile and ignored it. Something was wrong. Aziraphale couldn't quite put his finger on exactly what it was, but it was only growing with time, festering like an open wound. Crowley's entire effect had shifted. He was sharper around the edges, somehow, spoiling for a fight half the time, and sullen and reclusive the other half. There was a tension in the way he held himself, an increasing forcefulness to his every action. Crowley never initiated the sex between them, but whenever Aziraphale did, he came at it with a punishing enthusiasm, bringing them both to orgasm as quickly as possible and then leaving as soon as they'd finished. It was as physically nice a sensation as it had ever been, but there was also an edge to it, a growing frustration on Crowley's part, and a lingering unease on Aziraphale's. Aziraphale had improved at intercourse, he was sure, and yet, increasingly, everything about Crowley's bearing reeked dissatisfaction. Aziraphale wondered if perhaps it was because he let as much time go between their encounters as he did these days. The pace they'd set when things had started had turned out to be quite unsustainable, and Aziraphale had assumed that Crowley would prefer genuine enthusiasm on Aziraphale's part over frequency, but that could very well have been naive. It all came to a head sometime in the 1860s. Crowley had offered to cover for him, and had apparently had a terrifyingly close call with Hell. Aziraphale didn't know all the details, but whatever happened had left Crowley pale and worn, in a way that Aziraphale hadn't seen for over a century. Drinking together had always cheered Crowley up in the past— and so Aziraphale mentioned in passing that he had recently picked up a few bottles of Beaujolais Nouveau in the hope that that might help take Crowley's mind off of things. It somewhat worked. Crowley went for the invitation immediately, and he did look a good deal better once they'd spent the better part of the evening unwinding and talking about other things. But there was still something very lost and hurting about him, 
and Aziraphale couldn't stand seeing Crowley so obviously in pain. And so, he did the only thing that came to mind, and offered Crowley his body as well. The change was immediate. Crowley's entire affect went from open and friendly to shut off and completely cold in the blink of an eye. Only if you want to, of course, said Aziraphale quickly, in a hurried attempt at backtracking. Crowley gave him a long, hard look, filled with something, and then drained the rest of the bottle in front of him and ground out, fucking sure. This might as well happen. Why not? Only if you want to, Aziraphale said again, and Crowley laughed, a brutal and wounded sound. Ha! <laughs> want to? said Crowley. Of course I want to. Demon, right? Why wouldn't I want to? And then, before Aziraphale had a chance to ask what was going on, Crowley was on him and kissing. It was a much rougher kiss than usual, so rough, in fact, that it was barely even pleasant. Crowley bit at Aziraphale's lip, forcing his tongue into his mouth, and when Aziraphale winced and drew back, Crowley palmed him through his trousers and drew a gasp out of him instead. Just as abruptly as he started the kiss, Crowley ended it. He drew away slightly, but only enough so that he could undo Aziraphale's trousers. Aziraphale reached out to undress Crowley in kind, and Crowley batted his hands away and sunk to his knees. Crowley? Aziraphale asked between breaths. Crowley didn't say anything, and instead grabbed Aziraphale's barely freed length and licked a single long stroke all the way from the base of his shaft to the head. Aziraphale stifled a moan and reached for Crowley again, only to be rebuffed in the same manner as before. This didn't feel right at all. He'd meant this to be for Crowley, to help him, and yet everything about Crowley was sharper than before. Crowley looked hurt and angry and desperate all rolled into one, and he hadn't even taken off his jacket, let alone his clothes. Aziraphale felt dreadfully wrong-footed, with no idea what he had done wrong here, or how he could possibly fix it. Crowley, he tried again, and it was exceedingly difficult to form a coherent sentence when Crowley's mouth and hand were still both on his cock. Are you sure that you... I mean, if something's wrong, dear, maybe we should... <laughs> that is, if you want to... to talk about this... Shut up, Crowley hissed. Just shut up. And then he took Aziraphale all the way into his mouth, swallowing him until he was all but gagging on it. Aziraphale saw white and couldn't have said anything more even if he'd tried. He gripped the arm of his sofa hard, like it was his only anchor point, and tried, desperately tried, not to come, not to thrust into Crowley's mouth, not to say any of the utter nonsense that he felt just on the tip of his tongue. The part of him screaming that this was wrong and a bad idea didn't so much as fall silent as it was drowned out by roaring static. The world was a scattershot mess of pinpoint sensations. Crowley's tongue against the head of his cock. 
Crowley's hand on his right thigh, fingers digging into Aziraphale. Five bright points of pain. The rough fabric of the sofa arm against his palm. The image of Crowley's head bobbing up and down between his thighs. He couldn't move. Couldn't think. It was like drowning, and as Aziraphale felt himself nearing orgasm, it was all he could do to gasp and try to warn Crowley off of him as best he could. Crowley ignored him, and continued to move against him at a punishing pace. In no time at all, Aziraphale was coming, spilling down Crowley's throat with a strangled cry. Crowley swallowed, then choked, coughing roughly as he pulled off of Aziraphale's softening cock. He wiped his mouth with the back of his hand and pinned Aziraphale with a long, hard look as the angel desperately tried to pull himself back together. And then, quite suddenly, Crowley got up and turned to go. Wait, said Aziraphale, fumbling as he tried to stand. Do you want me to- Forget it, said Crowley harshly and then he teleported out of the bookshop with a snap of his fingers. Aziraphale sat alone in his bookshop for a long time after Crowley had gone. He didn't understand what had happened, why it felt like everything was suddenly going so wrong. Aziraphale couldn't even count the number of times they'd had sex now, and Crowley had never simply serviced him like that, without even looking at him or letting him reciprocate. Everything fell off balance. It was like that night after the opera all over again in a way, doubts and anxieties swirling like an angry cloud, and no answer anywhere in sight. And when they met up in the park, barely a week later, Crowley blindsided Aziraphale yet again, by asking him for the unthinkable. Out of the question, snapped Aziraphale, shoving the scrap of paper back at Crowley. Why not? asked Crowley, far more casually than the situation warranted. It would destroy you, said Aziraphale, horrified. I'm not bringing you a suicide pill, Crowley. Not what I want it for. Just insurance. He said it like he actually believed that was comforting, and handed the note back to Aziraphale, slightly more forcefully this time. I'm not an idiot, Crowley, said Aziraphale a little bit desperately. Do you know what trouble I'd be in if they knew I'd been fraternizing? It's completely out of the question. Fraternizing, Crowley spat, and there was venom in his tone. Well, whatever you wish to call it, Aziraphale stuttered out, and they were talking about far more than just the holy water now, but it was too late to back down. I do not think there is any point in discussing it further. I have lots of other people to fraternize with, Angel, said Crowley, and the words cut Aziraphale like a knife. Oh, of course you do, he said, 
and if he didn't manage to hide his surprise, at least he was fairly sure he hid the pain. He was in too deep to show weakness. He was in too deep, period. And why was he only having that revelation now? Christ. I don't need you. There was a pit in the bottom of Aziraphale's stomach, and whatever stupid lie he shouted in response came out on autopilot. He couldn't be here. He had to. He needed. He managed to keep his step brisk and mostly steady as he strode off, but he wasn't nearly naive enough to think that it helped. He was running away. Crowley no doubt knew that he was running away, probably saw the tremor in his stride, his white-knuckled fists before he hid them in his pockets. Aziraphale was three blocks away, or more, before Crowley's words stopped ringing in his ears, but he still felt the demon's phantom eyes on his back, silent judgment as he fled. I don't need you. And the feeling is mutual, obviously. Aziraphale played back his own words in his mind, hating every moment of it. Pathetic. That was what it was. And if even he could see it, then... Then... Crowley could see right through him. Crowley could catalog his every failing and weakness. Crowley could dissect him with the single, well-timed word. Surely he heard the quaver in Aziraphale's voice. Surely he had pieced together what it meant. Aziraphale imagined Crowley laughing at him, and then worse, he imagined Crowley not even deigning to do that. The walk back to the bookshop was very long, and the silent years that followed were longer. The End Part 2